0: Dr. Michael Yusuf, beginning this episode of Leading the Way.
1: I want to give you some pitfalls of trying to have peace that is not the peace of God. And I have heard it through the years. There are some who would say, if I have X number of dollars, I'll have peace. I have known people say, if I just go and live on a remote island somewhere all alone, I will have peace. All these are pitfalls. Why? Because they will lead to false peace. Oh, yes, there is a false peace. There's a temporary peace. But false peace is even more dangerous than no peace at all.
0: You may not see peace in the world during your lifetime, but with Christ, you can experience true peace. More next on Leading the Way as Dr. Yusuf continues his practical series, The Spirituality That Heals. Dr. Yusuf is ready to begin today's teaching now. Let's listen.
1: I want you to uh, imagine a scenario with me. And the scenario is of a man who is happily married to a woman whose physical and emotional companionship he cherishes and and values. Now, this man is a professional who um, enjoys his job and his lifestyle. lives in a nice home and his children are doing okay well at school and they bring him a lot of joy. All in all, everything is going well in his life until he received an invitation to attend his 20th college reunion, which he attended. At the reunion, he discovered many of his former classmates were earning considerably a lot more money than he does. Others have executive jobs that send him all over the world and visiting some exotic parts of the world. Some of his former classmates are married to women who are um, more educated than his wife and uh, more attractive than his wife. It becomes very obvious that a good number of his former classmates who did not outshine him in their academic achievements now have much higher status, both social and profession in society. Now, I want to ask you this. What is he thinking for the first of that following week? What is his attitude when he goes home? He has a sense of failure seemed to begin to eat him up. He begins to sense and question his self-worth. He begins to show signs of resentment, toward his wife. And uh, above all, he now kind of harbors a secret animosity toward his successful fellow alumni. No, he actually entertains private thoughts for their setback or even demise. I want to ask you another question. Did he make less money than before he attended the reunion, did he? Has his wife suddenly changed physically or emotionally? No. Has his job description changed? No. What has changed over the weekend? His attitude. Nothing else changed except that. Whatever peace and contentment he had were lost over the weekend. What happened? He has become infected with a deadly virus called envy. And one of the most serious symptoms of that virus of envy is the loss of peace. The problem that our hypothetical friend here does not have sufficient antibodies to win the secret war that is going to dog him for a long, long time. No wonder Proverbs fourteen thirty says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. That virus causes people to resent other people who have what they do not or perceive they do not have. <laughs> Envy is not a virus that is exclusive to those who have nothing. No, not one bit and not necessarily. King Ahab, the king of Israel, had everything. He was the wealthiest man at that time. But he, out of envy, looked at a piece of land that is owned by a poor man by the name of Naboth. And he wanted it simply because it was adjacent to his huge land. And he pouted and he sulked until his wicked wife, Queen Jezebel, blotted to kill this poor man Naboth in order to satisfy the envy of her powerful husband. So it doesn't necessarily mean those who are envious are the people who have nothing. There are some people who have plenty yet envious. And with those eyes, I have seen people around the globe who had so little, and yet they are contented. They are at peace with God and have the peace of God, and they rejoice when somebody else gets blessed. Please hear me right. Envy has nothing to do with what you have. But envy is a a dilapidating virus. Envy is an incapacitating virus. Envy is like a cancer that causes men and women to regress to childhood attitudes, to regress to childhood expressions. Even godly King David, when he was infected with this virus of envy, it caused him to commit adultery. It caused him to commit murder. And until he repented in his own words, he had no peace in his life. Envy always causes strife and loss of peace. Make no mistake about it. Write it down. In fact, the Greeks had a goddess named Iris. Iris was the goddess who incited people into strife that comes out of envy. In fact, That is why the New Testament writers, while they do not name her by name in the New Testament, in their writings, they are constantly warning the Christians against strife that comes out of envy and jealousy. Why? Because they knew that this is how you can lose your peace. But then there's another virus that infects many people, God's people that virus produces the same results as envy. This particular virus is called anxiety. By the way, before I get any further on this, I want to give you my definition of anxiety, okay? Because I know that there are a lot of definitions, there's dictionary definitions and all kinds. I'm gonna give you my definition so we know where we're going from here, okay? Here's the use of definition of anxiety. Anxiety is a preoccupation with the unimportant things in life and the false reasoning that if those things are attended to, life would be wonderful. I want to repeat that. Anxiety is a preoccupation with the unimportant things in life and the false reasoning that if those things are attended to, life is going to be great. Let me tell you about Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha were sisters. Both loved the Lord Jesus. Both sought to please the Lord Jesus. Both were believers. Yet, Martha became preoccupied with cooking of that perfect meal for Jesus. I mean, it had to be a perfect meal. That spotless house. That immaculate appearance. Man, it has to be done just right. (laughs) Martha was so preoccupied with the unimportant while Mary sought to spend time with Jesus at the feet of Jesus, to learn from Jesus. Martha's preoccupation with the unimportant things caused her both envy and anxiety and loss of peace. Now, if you want to follow that story, turn to Luke chapter 10. You follow it with me. Now, I'm sure probably some of you ladies saying, what does he know about cooking and housekeeping? He doesn't understand this. It's time consuming. I agree. I will not fuss. But not if it keeps you away from Jesus. Men, I don't care the 16-hour day or the sports channel or whatever you do. If crowds Jesus out of your life, you are wrong. And I'm telling you that right now on the authority of the Word of God. And I'll try to imagine Martha cooking a storm. I mean, she was cooking up a storm. She was working frantically and getting more and more frustrated as she was cooking and and looking at her sister, you know, kind of corner of her eye sitting there learning from Jesus and she's cooking away, you know. Kneading it, baking the bread and, and kind of slaving over this hot oven and feeding the oven with wood and trying to get the fire going and, and gritting her teeth so hard your jaw's about to explode. This sister of mine, you know this I mean she is so insensitive I mean she doesn't care if Jesus would get a a decent meal or not. I mean, she doesn't care if Jesus sits on a clean floor or not. She doesn't care about perfections and appearances like I do. And and all this sister of mine, I mean, she's just too spiritual for her own good. She's cooking away, you know. (laughs) And her anxiety caused her loss of peace. And finally, she lashes out And Jesus, isn't that something? He said, Jesus, say something to my sister. I mean, tell her to do something useful with her life. Just drum some common sense into her. She's not a perfectionist like me, and that's terrible, Jesus, don't you think? Phew, I'm glad he was in that spot, not me. Let me tell you a couple of things about perfectionism. And it doesn't matter how you rationalize it. It doesn't matter how you spiritualize it. I want to tell you a couple of things about it. It will give you ulcers. It will give you permanent headaches. It will give you a heart attack. It will give you aches and pains. It will give you a loss of sleep. It will take away your peace. I heard about this gardener who absolutely kept an immaculate garden. I mean, he's probably more on his knees than he is standing up and taking care of that garden. I mean, it's the most beautiful garden you could ever see. And one year, it grew full of dandelions. I mean, he tried every product and every method known to mankind. He couldn't get rid of them. Finally, he wrote to the Department of Agriculture, and he told them everything he did and all the details. And and finally, he asked the question, what shall I do next? And then came the answer from the Department of Agriculture. Get used to it. (laughs) There's some things you're just going to have to get used to them. Especially things that you can't change. Remember, anxiety is a preoccupation with the non-essentials or the non-important. Keep my definition in mind. Do you remember in the last message, we saw how the Apostle Paul was able to say, listen, I have learned to do with plenty, but I also have learned to do with little. It doesn't make any difference to me. If it's $100,000 or $100, not gonna make any difference to me. My goal, my eye is on heaven and Jesus and his kingdom. Nothing else is going to come between us. It doesn't matter. Listen to what Jesus said to Martha. Verses 41 and 42 of Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read from the New English Translation. Puts it beautifully. It says, Martha, Martha, you are fretting and fussing about so many things and only one thing is necessary. Mary chose what is best. It shall not be taken away from her. I hope you do this exercise tomorrow morning. Wake up and visualize everything you have taken away from you. I mean everything. Just visualize it. Let me tell you something, that's going to happen to every one of us. <laughs> Back in the early 60s, late 50s, I saw this happen in reality when NASA nationalized all private businesses. People literally wake up one morning, all their businesses, we had a dear friend who had a large shipping magnet. Literally everything was taken from middle of the night. Gone. That's it. And here's what Jesus is saying. He is saying that in the final analysis what you do for God and for His kingdom is what really matters. All the other things are just things. They're not important. What Jesus is saying here is that He is giving you a license. He is giving you a permission. He is giving me a permission to be anxious about one thing and one thing only in life. That's it. And that is, you ready for it? Your salvation. Your salvation. That's the only one thing you can be anxious about. You say, why would Jesus tell us to do that? Because he knows when you're anxious about your salvation, you're going to live a life that is pleasing to him. A life that's in obedience to his word. That's the only thing. That's why Paul said, "Fulfill your salvation in fear and tremble." Salvation is happened, is happening, and will happen. Yeah. It is not something you just took care of back then when you're nine years of age and you walk down the aisles all over. No. You commit your life to Christ and from that moment on. You're growing in Christ, and if you're not growing in Christ, you are not growing at all, and you're not standing still either. You are dying. You're regressing. One thing and one thing only needful. He said everything. Hey listen, this is the only one thing that cannot be taken away from you. Everything else you're going to leave behind and somebody else is going to come and run it. So one thing that will produce lasting and everlasting fruit. Everything else in life is not worth being anxious about. Let me tell you something about anxiety and why it destroys your peace. Anxiety... Either usurps God's prerogative to provide for you, or make you doubt that He cares for you and for your tomorrow. Now, let me just clarify something. Somebody sitting here said, "Is He telling me, you know, just uh, go back, lie in the wheat, and wait for Jesus to come back?" No, that's not what I'm saying. Not one bit. Those of you who know me, work with me. They know you know what I believe about work. God expects us to work hard. God expects us to work diligently. God expects us to work wisely. Of course, God expects us to be faithful with the resources he's giving us, the gifts he's giving us, the talents he's giving us, and the time that he's given us. Of course, that goes without saying, but that's different from anxiety. Don't mix the two together. Anxiety is practical atheism. Yes, you heard me right. It is practical atheism. And I tell you, there are many people in the church of Jesus Christ today who are practical atheists. They may profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, but let me tell you, they are practical atheists. Why is it practical atheism? Because it counts something more important than God. Because it seeks to drive security from things other than God himself. When God is at the center of every single day of your life, your priorities are going to be turned upside down. When God is in control, you will cast all your anxiety upon him. When God is in his proper place in your life, you will sleep like a baby. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. I want you to listen to this. It's a magnificent quote. He said, God designed the human machine to run on himself. And that is why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about him. Envy and anxiety are very dangerous weeds that threaten to choke off the fruit of the spirit. Especially peace. Especially peace. I want to give you some pitfalls of trying to have peace that is not the peace of God. And I have heard it through the years. There are some who would say, if I have X number of dollars, I'll have peace. There are some who would say, man, if I get married, I think I'll have peace. There are some who would say, if I accomplish certain things in life, I will have peace. I have known people say, if I just go and live on a remote island somewhere, all alone, away from people, I will have peace. (laughs) All these are pitfalls. Why? Because they will lead to false peace. Oh, yes, there is a false peace. There's a temporary peace. But false peace is even more dangerous than no peace at all. Not because God is against peace. No, 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 don't miss that point. But He is a holy God and He will grant His peace only on the basis of His righteousness. And that is why peace is a fruit. And as we saw in the last message, you cannot manufacture fruit. You cannot hang fruit on the tree. You cannot bring fruit from outside your circumstances or events in your life. No, the fruit comes out of the nutrients that flows through the tree. It is not external, it's internal. And it comes from the Spirit-filled life. Do you know back in the days of the prophets Jeremiah and Micah, false preachers and false prophets were preaching false peace, peace without God. In fact, they made a slogan out of it. And here's what Jeremiah said to them. The God speaking through Jeremiah in chapter 6, verse 14. There will be no peace. Why, Lord? He said, because in fact, like our day, that's my own addition, people were making a God out of peace and they were trying to heal the hurt of the nation superficially. They're not trying to find out the real root of the problem. They're trying to gloss over it. And God said, there's no peace. Isaiah is more blunt, and he said, there is no peace, says the Lord, to the wicked. You can try to escape anywhere in the world. You can try to tranquilize us. You can seek new experiences. You can have more things. You can accumulate more money. But you will not have peace Apart from being daily filled with the Spirit of God, it is a daily thing. It's a daily operation. It's a daily surgery. First, you have to have the peace with God before you're able to have peace with God. And if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, you do not have the peace of God because you don't have peace with God. And until you come in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, you cannot have peace with God. You're at war with God. And until that is taken care of, you will continuously have war, not just with God, but with everybody else. When you have the peace of God, your life will be peaceful in the midst of turmoil. Your life will be peaceful in the midst of all the storms of life. Listen, problems are a part of life. We all have them. Your life will be peaceful in the midst of trouble and grief and pain. I have been there many times. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world give, do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid.
0: pray that you'll accept Dr. Michael Yusuf's invitation to have peace with God and experience the true peace of God. Got questions? Talk further with a leading the way pastor at ltw.org Jesus. Well, before time is completely gone for this episode, here's your challenge to get a free trial subscription to my journal started so you can be encouraged as you go through 2023. My Journal is a monthly magazine that has great ways of focusing your heart and mind on the peace Jesus is spreading around the world, as more and more come to know Him through leading the way. My Journal features content, all through a biblical lens, regarding engaging with today's culture, family life, and stories of lives changed by the gospel that will challenge you. Plus, Dr. Yusuf writes devotionals and articles giving you the opportunity to dig deeper into the Word of God. Get your free trial subscription started today, 1-300-133-589, or at ltw.org. And you know we love getting your notes through the post office, so write Dr. Yusuf a note. Leading the way, PO Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Thank you for listening today. We know it's a busy time of the year and your time is precious. This program is finished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world.